is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers got the win. Good morning, Steelers Nation! What are you doing? You used to do that. What are you doing? Why can't I do it? It feels good to it feels good to be in a good mood today. So you want to just keep it all positive on this episode, or do you want to start with some negativity? I mean, if you want to go negative, we can get it out of the way. You want to get it out of the I way? Think, should I we think get I'm the bad? Should we get the bad news out of the way first? Yeah, let's do and it. And then we'll go all positive the rest of the way. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously leaving the game with a shoulder injury. Early returns are not good. Jerry Dulac saying that Steelers will be placing the wide receiver on injured reserve and the prognostication is that he will be out for the remainder of the Pittsburgh Steelers 2021 football season. So really the only negative that we have to report sitting here on a Monday, fall on a victory Monday following the Steelers' big win against the Denver Broncos, but that is a loss any way you one. slice it. And Steelers have been dealing with injury problems all year long. We'll add another one to mm-hmm. that list because Juju most likely down for the rest of the season. I'm Tom Opperman. He, of course, is Jacob Recht. Figure we introduce ourselves before we get too far into the weeds here. But that's tough, Jacob. It's a tough pill to swallow after a big win to have one of your top three receivers out for the year potentially. You know, I don't know. Jerry Dulock doesn't really carry a lot of credit around this town. <laughs> wow. So I don't know if that source is that reliable. You're feeling yourself this morning. I am. You? I'm just – I was in a good mood, but it is true that Juju is most likely going to miss the rest of the season – Tom, I know we sit here week after week and debate who is the more talented receiver. Is it Deontay Johnson or is it Chase Claypool? But it can't go unsaid how valuable Juju is to this receiving core. The relationship he has with Ben and his ability to go over the middle of the field and get you those tough short yardages, which is what Ben loves to do, is key to the success of this offense. And yes, he wasn't as involved this past week because... He was out for majority of the time. It, it it really is going to be a blunder. I know you still have your top two guys, and and hopefully, you know, you got to say hopefully they'll be healthy for the remainder of the season. But we haven't really seen all four guys be out there together since what week one, I believe, maybe even week two. I believe that's the case. Obviously, they were together for a little bit in this Denver game to uh-huh. start things until the end around that cost Juju his season, potentially. Uh, starting next week, though, with Juju missing that game, obviously, that'll mean that the top three receivers will have at least missed one game each, and we're only six games into the season right now. So injury problems have definitely reared its ugly head in that receiving room. Yeah, no, no I, doubt. The the good thing though, Tom, is that we've said all year long, including in the offseason, the one place where you're able to afford to lose a guy is the receiving core because it's so deep. I think by far it's the deepest unit on this team, offensive or defensive side of the football. There are better starters, like we always say the defensive line when all three guys are healthy is the best unit available to the Steelers. However, the depth there is Lacking, and you can see that now with Tyson Alualo out for the year and Stefan Tuit indefinitely out. We we still don't know a timetable uh, for his return, but at least there isn't the depth there compared to the wide receiving core. So yes, you have James Washington, who if healthy can I think he can step up and he can play similar to Juju. He is a tougher guy. 
Uh, he's I don't know if he's as quick as Juju Smith-Schuster is. So on those end rounds, you know, that's kind of I said earlier how that short yardage is going over the middle of the field. That's Juju's bread and butter. I don't know if James Washington can provide and, and step up and fill in that hole, but at least he's someone who's capable, and at least he's been on the team longest as a receiver next to Juju. So he technically has the deepest relationship with Ben Roethlisberger of the guys remaining. Well, first things first for James Washington, he's got to get healthy. I mean, he was down against Mm -hmm. the Denver Broncos this past week with a groin injury. Got to keep an eye on him all week long as we work our way towards Sunday night football against the Seattle Seahawks and see what his status will be for the Steelers in Seattle game. But you need him for sure. And uh, we've said this multiple times since Deontay's been hurt and Chase has been hurt in the recent past, but... This is why you didn't trade him in the offseason when he reportedly demanded a trade or asked the Steelers to explore a trade. Either guy. I mean, this you could have lost both Juju and James this Washington. This is exactly for why reasons. you didn't want to move on from a guy like James Washington. Now he's going to be playing significant minutes for the rest of the season as long as he, of course, can get healthy. All right, that's the negative. Well, do you want to talk about the guys behind James Washington who will now have to step up? Not Ray really. Ray McLeod, nah, White? Not really. Ray Ray McLeod, eh, Cody White, eh. It's a three-man show now. and There was a deep ball thrown to Cody White that he, Ben commented on post-game saying it's good to have a relationship with your receivers, and he, th- he said he believed that had he worked more with Cody White in training camp or in practices, it's just he's so far down the depth chart, he would have converted on that deep pass to Cody White. I don't know what – I put the blame more on Cody White than I do Ben, but – Still, I, I think it's something of note, Tom, that you ha- you're going to see a lot more Cody White than you certainly expected to it's see in 2021. Yeah, it's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. I, that's why I think you're not going to see as much of him. And I think oh, I think go, you will. No, I think they're just going to use these three wide receivers and, that's it. and use tight ends. And Najee Harris, so you, obviously, so is going to— think Najee Harris is going to get an even bigger role, too. Well, Najee Harris had his best day of the year. Before we get to the positives, do you think you'll you'll see more of Pat Frymuth and Eric Ebron? You saw a decent amount of them. I think you could. I think Even the, Zach Gentry. I think putting a, a those— touch, Or receiving. Gentry, for sure— out there obviously he did have that good catch but he's out there for blocking as he is the beefy beefiest of those tight ends but I think Ebron and Farmuth are more viable options as far as pass catching targets yeah. than Cody White or even Ray Ray McLeod and I think Najee Harris absolutely even more than the Farmuth sure. and the Ebron is is I mean j- Najee Harris might be better than James Washington, as far as I'm concerned right oh, now. Oh, I don't, I don't think as possible. A pat- I think for sure as a receiver in the receiving. No, game. I, I, regardless. Yeah, it's so, just as a, as an option. So yeah, I think that they maybe you know shorten the bench a little bit as far as the receiving core is concerned. But maybe they don't. Maybe you're right. Maybe we do see a lot of Ray Ray maybe. and Cody out One there. One more thing. Time on will Juju. tell. One more thing on Juju before we move I on. I mean, I'm trying to go to the positive. I know, and you but just want to say is, this is a for three topic. weeks they've been listening to us talk about losses, and you're just sitting here talking about injuries now. What? Not necessarily loss for the Steelers. What loss will this create for the market for Juju Smith-Schuster in 2020? In 2022 He's in trouble. I think so. Too. And maybe that's a good thing for the Steelers. You know, maybe Possibly. they get maybe, maybe it's another one-year deal. Maybe they get lucky again for the second year in a row that he comes back on a cheap deal that's team friendly, you know? That's where things are setting up for right now. 
Certainly don't see. I wouldn't it. hate it. I don't see him getting more than you know eight million per year like he is getting right now on that one year deal from any team. The thing is though, do you think it could also happen a third year when it's someone like Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins throwing him the ball and the production really isn't there, even though he's then on the field. even though it's only a year and eight million dollars, you might be saying to yourself, is that even worth that yeah. to spend? I yeah. mean, even though it's not that much. What's the point, honestly, when we can just keep James Washington? And you know what? If James Washington steps up and this trio is doing really well, it's cheaper to keep that these three together and the not Juju, pay Juju. Yeah. So, yeah, things are getting a little dicey for Juju as far as that market is concerned, but you hate to see him get injured for the season because, like we said, he's a valuable member of this team, and Ben Roethlisberger obviously trusts him on – third and shorts and, and really high leverage situations. He's mm-hmm. he's looking at 19 a lot. So that's going to be a tough tough role for another receiver or maybe Najee to replace, but we'll, we'll find out as we work our way through the season who will step up. But turning the page on that negativity and getting to the positive. Now we can do it. 27-19 win over the Denver Broncos on Sunday at Heinz Field. Steelers snapping a Three game losing streak, getting to two and three on the season. I think this Crucial was the most, home win too. most complete first home win of the season. Yeah. This was the most complete performance I think we've seen from the Steelers dating back to last year. I mean, this was I would a say, masterpiece. If you want to say until the complete, second I would, half, I would, not even the second half until the fourth quarter when the defense started to leak a little bit and the ship started to take on water. But you know what the beautiful thing is. Almost losing or almost collapsing. Means that you didn't. It means you won. Yeah. So almost. James Pierre with a big play in the end zone, intercepting Teddy Bridgewater after being picked on by Teddy Bridgewater and Cortland Sutton, just a drive ago to put the Denver Broncos within uh, five points. Steelers then, of course, kicking a field goal to make it an eight-point game. But you heard Mike Tomlin talk in the post-game press conference. Uh, it's just the life of a young corner in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think he said it's the education of a young corner in the NFL. And you love the mindset of your player, if you're a fan, to see him get burned like that and then turn right back around and have a really good pass breakup on the sideline that, honestly, he could have picked off. It would have been a spectacular interception. It would have been. And then a really great coverage on that interception in the end zone where he he broke almost at the same time as the receiver broke on his route. And Teddy, obviously, it being a timing route, threw it anyway. And James Pierre got his head around the perfect time. Easy interception. Ball game. Great performance from James Pierre. I'd honestly probably give him my MVP on the defensive side of the ball. I know players probably had more complete games than him, but no one was more clutch and no one bounced back in a bigger way. No one bounced back in a bigger way and when they needed to, yeah. right? If if James Pierre allows that touchdown catch, then you, we're sitting here saying... We're pooping our pants on a two-point conversion and we have no idea what the hell's well, going right. to happen. Well, right, that too. But even so, even if the Steelers somehow stop that two-point conversion from happening, you're still sitting here this morning thinking... I, I thought that Kevin Colbert made it aware that we had a guy in James Pierre, that he he had found this diamond in the rough and said, I don't need Mike Hilton. I don't need Steve Nelson. Just give me James Pierre. And so far through the 2021 season, he's been okay, a little more average than you would like. You, you were hoping he could step up a little bit more. And he's wor- this would have been his 
This would have been a bad day for James Pierre had he not had that interception. He's been worse when he has to step into bigger roles. Mm -hmm. When Hayden's been out, when Sutton's been out. Sutton, of course, being the one out against Denver. Crowley talked about this last night with me uh, on his podcast. You know, the Steelers didn't respect Teddy Bridgewater at all. A lot of single high safety. Didn't think he was going to throw the ball down the field at all. And he finally burned them on the Cortland Sutton play and started pushing the ball down the field later in that fourth quarter on them. But, you know, that James Pierre gets burned on the Sutton play. You kind of have to also put that on the coaching staff because I I know that you don't respect Teddy Bridgewater and you're giving James Pierre no help and you're just putting him on an island out there on Cortland Sutton, who is a legitimate NFL receiver established in this league. Uh You got to give him some help on that play. You know, you said how Colbert had a lot of faith in James Pierre, and I think that's true. And I think that's why you're seeing him on the trajectory that you're seeing him on as an undrafted second year player in the NFL right now for this team. But you got to also be a little bit realistic with yourself and say, I have faith in James Pierre. But I'm not going to be blinded by my faith in James Pierre. He needs some help on mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton on this kind of situation. So, yeah, he gets burned and. Like Tomlin said, that's part of his learning process in the NFL. But I think as a coaching staff, they also need to take a mental note and learn that even though we're high on his potential, we can't get too ahead of ourselves. We can't just say, you know what, on this kind of situation, James Peter is good to be on an island against a, a number two wide receiver in the NFL like Cortland Sutton is. It's just He's not there yet. you gotta, you got to be able right. to give him some help. And when Sutton's out or Hayden's out uh, – I think that secondary depth gets tested and stretched a little bit thin. So you you gotta use a lot of different help uh, around. Uh, you gotta these give guys. Him a lot you gotta of help. give these guys a lot of help. The Pierre's, the Lanes, the the Trey Norwoods, you even know? the Cam Suttons. The, the, Sutton to an extent too. But I think when they're all healthy, when it's Sutton, Hayden, Edmonds, and Fitzpatrick, I think the Pierre's and the Lanes and the Norwoods kind of blend in really well. But I do when too. you have to jump one of them up to a starter role or you're kind of musical chairing all of them in as you're missing one of your main four guys, mm-hmm. I think that's when the secondary can get into some trouble. Yeah, I, I, I do think you're right on that assessment. And it's odd because today was a day where you had your starters available to you. You had Cam uh, – sorry. Cam Sutton was not available. Was not so maybe yeah, that's so why thin, yeah. maybe that's why James Pierre was being exposed a little bit and maybe that's why Crowley was spot on and his assessment. I mean, Carl Joseph saw the field for a couple snaps. You know? Yeah. I mean things just get really that there's it's a thin depth in the secondary and it only really plays when you're fully healthy. So hopefully this groin injury by Cam Sutton is only temporary going to sideline yeah. him for one week and that's against Denver. Because we know how deadly the Seattle passing game is. Even if it's not Russell Wilson, even though we will be going, you will be seeing um, Geno Smith. Geno Smith. He can I, sling I, it. I can't believe I this guy is still in the league, Tom. He can sling it, though. So. That's what I'm saying. And you, he has the options. He has DK Metcalf and he has Tyler Lockett. So you, I don't think the Steelers are going to disrespect the passing game. Maybe they would disrespect Geno Smith, but I think they have to respect the passing game because it's very clear to the rest of the NFL how good this wide receiver duo is in Seattle but I do think that with it, it just kind of shocks me that the Steelers were anticipating Drew Locke to play this game because of Teddy Bridgewater's concussion problems uh, uh, questionable activeness for this game right because of the concussion problems yeah, I think he was cleared of the protocol on Friday and then he was announced to start or Saturday so like it was at the end of the week it, it took up until the end of the week but you knew that Teddy Bridgewater was the guy that the Broncos wanted to go with. You knew that Teddy Bridgewater was the guy you didn't want to face if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So it kind of shocks me a little bit that they didn't respect Teddy Bridgewater when all week long they were hoping that it was going to be his backup they got to see on Sunday afternoon, but it was actually the starter in Teddy Bridgewater. It, it, it just seemed like a weird move by Mike Tomlin, something that I don't really see from him a lot. I know a lot of people can get tough on him with certain coaching decisions, but when it comes to respecting an opponent, when it, especially when it comes to a specific quarterback, I think that's something Mike Tomlin doesn't necessarily overlook. Now, when it comes to lesser teams and playing down to the competition, that's something that Mike Tomlin gets criticized a lot on. However, when it comes to respecting someone's ability, that's something that he can usually plan for and, and does so in a way that it puts the Steelers in a winning position. However, I think they did a good job for majority of the game. They, they had a bend-don't-break defense, it just took until that last fourth quarter where you really saw them get gassed. You know, you mentioned that they really didn't respect Teddy Bridgewater. I'm wondering if it was more of they didn't really respect the Denver offensive line to be able to hold mm -hmm. up against their pass rush. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's not a world beater. He's probably very right in the middle of the pack as far as NFL quarterbacks are concerned. Uh, so you don't have to worry about him, you know, Aaron Rodgers being being Aaron Rodgers and throwing 20-yard bombs down the field all game long. So you, I, I kind of see what you're saying about they're disrespecting his ability to do that. But I think also what plays into that is I don't – if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm sitting there going, I don't think that they're going to have enough time to have the receivers get 20, 25 yards down the field mm -hmm. because I have my trio of Ingram, Highsmith, and Watt all healthy, and Watt looked fully healthy again this week, and it was just at a different level of play. So – I think that probably played into it as well, is him just thinking there's no way that they're going to be able to get routes deep downfield on me. don't need to put any respect on their deep passing game because they're not going to have enough time to even get there, uh, even if Teddy can hit those passes. As far as, you know, I said when we just started about this, talking about a perfect performance from the Steelers, I said all week, the best thing you can do against a team like Denver is to get out to an early lead. You want to get up on a team like this because they like to be the one that's in control, control that ball, control the scoreboard, and uh, win time of possession battle and just kind of slowly drain the life out of you. And perfect start. Another 50-yard bomb to Deontay Johnson to go up 7 to nothing. And then once I said you get up 7 to nothing, the next thing you have to do is you have to be able to bottle that run in and they did a really good job for the most part in this game of bottling that run. I know that the Denver Broncos averaged 5.9 yards per carry and rushed for 106 yards, but they only had 18 tries on the ground. Neither of Williams or Gordon had more than nine carries apiece. Uh, and Javante Williams had eight carries, 61 yards. He averaged 7.6 yards per carry. But the beauty of it is you get out to that lead like I'm talking about and you kind of maintain it, they got to start passing the ball because they got to try to put points on the board. So you make a team that wants to be 60-40, 70-30 on a good day split in the run direction, throw the ball 38 times and run the ball 18 times. And on the flip side of that, you as the Pittsburgh Steelers, you only threw the ball 25 times. You ran the ball 35 times. So you looked like the Denver Broncos on Sunday. You looked like the team that the Pittsburgh Steelers – needed to be put out there all five weeks so far. Which is what Denver's MO has been for their first four games, but newsflash Steelers, you're a lot more talented than that Denver Broncos roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I know Javante Williams looks like he's going to be a dude and Jerry Judy's a stud who's on IR, but 
Najee Harris is a freak. You've got the receivers that, you know, as a unit collectively make up a pretty good pass-catching game as long as they're catching the ball. And when Ben has time and the running game's working, you see that he can still be a decently efficient quarterback in the NFL when you have football games. So you're more talented than the Broncos. Just keep channeling that energy. Keep playing like that conservative style of football. I think you can translate to some pretty decent record out here, man. I think, you know, you you play like you the, found your winning if they recipe. played like this against the Bengals and the Raiders, That's, they probably win are, both those of those games. Those games are games. done. So, those games are over. So just look at this as a positive. You can't fix what happened in the first four games, those two upsetting losses, but utilize this game plan moving forward to beat the teams you should beat, like Seattle now, uh, when the Detroit Lions and the, the Chicago Bears come to town. I mean, this is the game plan. This is how you win the football game. I want to see 10 more runs than passes every week. I mean, that's – Jacob, you came in, I think, at halftime, and you were like, Ben has only passed ben the ball 11 times. 11 times. And I was like, I love it. I love that. Of course. Like, it's, that is but exactly it was, what it was, you need. It was in disbelief that I said that. But this is exactly what you needed. Ben typically will throw 11 play er, eleven times on one drive. That's that's how frequent this, this team used to go to the pass compared to the run. But I do think now that you hope the Steelers have recognized their winning formula here. It is to have a balance in the run and pass. And if you don't have the balance, the the arrow should point in favor of the run game. That that dial should be saying, or that 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 scale should be heavier on tipping the run towards, side. Yeah, yeah run, tipping yeah. towards the run than it is the pass. And I know the Denver Broncos aren't necessarily representative of what was a 3-0 record. We knew that they had only beaten the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars, who are still, I think, only combined a 3-12 and team, if not 3-15, and something like that. Putrid, but... All of them lost this weekend, I know that. Right, so they're all still one-win teams, and... Except for the Jags. Jags are still <laughs> Can't undefeated. win at all. Oh, okay, well, there you go. The Jags are still winless, so... I don't even... So, two and whatever. We knew that the Denver Broncos weren't necessarily the best 3-0 team heading into last week when they then lost to the Baltimore Ravens. But this is still a team who's capable of winning games. They knew their winning formula, as you pointed out, Tom. It's running the ball and, and passing the ball just in, in safe plays. And you beat them at their own game. And there's a possibility that not only could you beat Denver Bron- the Denver Broncos at their own game, you can use that formula to beat better teams than you. I, uh, obviously, Absolutely. there are better teams than you in this league, but you know how you can control the clock. You can, tr- you can control the pace of the game by getting Najee Harris involved. And as much credit as I want to give Najee Harris, because he deserves all of it, uh, uh, all of it, I mean... The guy, I think, had his breakout performance of the year so far. He's been building up to it. He had his first 100-yard game on the ground. He already had his first 100-yard game through the air earlier this season, but first time getting it on the ground, 120 yards, 5.3 average, plus the touchdown. By far his best game on the ground so far this year. But you also, the the day that he came back, the first week he came back from after being out for one week, Chase Claypool had five catches for 130 yards. Too. No question. You had to get him involved as well. And you don't need to have, even though you have a deep receiving core, you don't need for every guy to step up. Deontay Johnson had two catches on two targets. That's it. One of which, of course, uh, was that long 50-yard play to start the game. But 
that means he only had one target for, no, throughout the rest of the game. He was very quiet. He almost disappeared for but the you rest don't, of the game. If, if Chase Claypool and Najee Harris are stepping up, that's okay. And if he had that big pop play, all that that's all that matters. I mean, Right, he, he got you. He put seven on the board. Exactly, he put seven on the board. He got you your points when it mattered. Because I guess, it came early. I guess the only thing that would be somewhat concerning to you know wrap things up on this episode is that late defensive collapse and how just easy it was for the Denver Broncos to score those two touchdowns late and make it a five-point game, and then it was an eight-point game, and they're knocking on the door, and I mean, it takes a James Pierre interception in the end zone to seal that thing off. I mean, if, if Pierre breaks just a half a step later on that route, we're... Like we said, sitting there waiting for a two-point conversion to potentially tie the game and head to overtime. So that's probably the only real concern I have is the fact that it just seemed really easy for the Broncos to mount that comeback. A a much better quarterback and a much more explosive offense maybe puts up an extra touchdown and and does actually pull that comeback off. But I, I don't know. I think the most concerning part of it was that the pass rush just wasn't getting home to Bridgewater. You only had one sack on the day. Yeah. And it and, came and, very early. And you want it in, in that fourth half. quarter, yeah. especially on the last drive when they were down by eight because they had no timeouts in their pocket. One sack one pretty sack much ends, ends, the, ends game. the game. And it just he wasn't even uncomfortable in the pocket. So that was a little concerning as the late pass rush seeming to fade a little bit because that, con- that was a concern last year. So the way the game played out was they had a methodical, they being the Denver Broncos, had a methodical... 10, 11 play drive that resulted in 72 yards in about Which you're fine six, with that. seven minutes. When you're up as much Kill as you are, you're good with that. as much as you want. Go for it, Denver. But the problem was is the fact that this, I think for the first time all day, if not maybe only the second time and the first time in the second half, following that drive, the Steelers went three and out. Only, I mean, kudos to the, the Steelers for having that be a big issue for them through those first four weeks with going three and out. They only did it twice. But the second time you did it, it came at a crucial point of the game when they're starting to put up points, Denver is. You're only down, Denver is only down by 11 points. You kill no time whatsoever, three plays, four yards, that's about it. So Denver gets the ball right back, and then you allow the long touchdown pass to Cortland Sonnen that James Pierre was burned on. So now you're trying to get word because even though they missed the extra point, they're still within a one-score uh, it's still a one-score game for them to actually win that game and, and come back. Luckily, the Steelers did go out and kick that field goal to make it an eight-point game. But still, I, I don't, I don't, what, what was the concern to you, Tom? Was it the offense's inability to to just gain some semblance of yardage on that three and out, even though they because they showed no signs of 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 doing that all day long except for early on in the second half. I don't know why the, the three that and outs was... concerning, but I can't be too critical on the offense because then they did get it into field goal range to make it eight points. They did, but then your your your. But I'd roll. I love defense is 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 in, is incapable of 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 just letting that clock wind down, getting that sack, or just getting Teddy yes, into an that... uncomfortable position that it took until the last play on fourth down and goal. To get a turnover. Defensively, that's what I'm most upset about is yeah. the lack of a pass rush at the end because mm-hmm. that's that's Steelers football, baby. Like that's how they've iced games 
for my entire life is that big Joey Porter sack in the fourth quarter where he's kicking the boot up and the clock's bleeding down mm-hmm. and the team's... TJ, I mean, TJ, you don't have to go as far back as Joey Porter. I know. Watt does I'm it. just trying to prove a point. Like yeah. That's been in our DNA since, as Steelers Since nation we were forever. able to form memories as Steelers fans. Because uh, you know, think about how it kills the drive. Receivers are 15, 20 yards down the field. they got to come all the way back. Quarterback's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage now. they got to run back. He's got to shake off a sack. Back it up, yep. It just ends. They got to call game. play. Exactly. He's got to try to look at the sidelines, figure out what the play call is going to be. It's it's chaos, and you need to create that chaos when you're a defense trying to close out that game. One last thing, I know we're we're really up against it, but I'd love to see them pick up that first down. I know they kicked the field goal and made it eight points. Benny Snell short by just an inch. If Najee Harris wasn't dealing with cramps and he was able to go, he's extending that, breaking that, and getting that Most extra likely. inch and getting that first down. Most but likely. you'd love to see them ice a game like that. Just not quite there yet. But field goal's good enough because it obviously was a win. So I it think be too you're right. You're right. But I think that if Najee Harris is available. I think he breaks a tackle and he's, he's and able to get an extra yard and, and he's able over. to get there. Because Snell was close anyway. Yeah. He, so. He got benched in the first half too, Benny. So that's a whole. Well, he had, a, thing. he had that drop that in that opening drive and a holding. So I mean, I, holding on special tough, teams, drop tough, on offense. Yeah, tough start for him, uh, but he did bounce back in the second half. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks as always for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Offerman, and we look forward to talking to you on our next episode of the Steelers Standard. <laughs>